the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. I mean, I don't know where the weekend went. I, so we I were just, just thought, here. I swear we were just here, the three of us. It feels like it was Friday at maybe 6.30. And then all of a sudden, here we are. Hey, I know. back again. The weekend, some weekends are, you know, luxurious. Other weekends are mm-hmm. hustle and bustle. This was one of those weekends. And I, I'm assuming by your response, Kath, uh, another hustle bustle weekend. It's not that I don't like you guys. Yeah. But I just feel like I would have experienced a little more rest and relaxation between then and now. A little more, a little more alone time is what I you need. I just needed. was looking for some time away from the two of you. Yeah, well, we're back and we're happy to see you. I'm we kidding. Are happy to I'm see always you. glad to see you guys. Always good. Yeah, it's Monday, always the glad. Monday edition. Hey, this is a big week, is it not? I mean, uh, this is like this is what everybody's been waiting for in a way. This is the the start of, in earnest, the political presidential election. Starts that sounds today. awful. I don't know it who does. Was, who's who, what do you say everybody's been what waiting for? I don't me? think I like I haven't lost any sleep thinking, oh my gosh, I can't wait till it gets people here. are excited by this. You know uh, they are. They just can't wait, right? Uh, here it is tonight. Gets on it gets underway. And of course, Mike's uh, throwing a party. He's super excited. Very nice. <laughs> you have Cheetos? Some kind of decent snacks, something over there. He's you gonna know? have a different Cheeto, a type of Cheeto for every uh, different identity yeah. group that they're gonna be going for <laughs> for the next four days. I look forward to. It. Do, you, do you plan on watching at all? Do you have any any idea? Do you plan on watching the? Well, uh, I will watch because this is our job. But if this was not our job, I oh, do not believe I would no. be watching. I think you would. I think uh, this is brand new, something totally different. You think I would? Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm counting on it. As a matter of look fact. how confident he yeah. is in me. No, I, like I think. I think I, I know you that. enough to think that you'd want to I do that. Yes, I guess. I don't know. Maybe in the in the COVID era, I'm just too bloom and tired mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. into all this silliness. Holy I think, son. or maybe the fact that they're all so unbelievably unimpressive. You do need another day off, don't you? I do. I'm just, do I sound crabby? No, no. <laughs> just sound like, you know, you're not really interested. I'm trying to sell it to you. <laughs> That's all. I mean, you're right. It's a big deal. We should watch. But the convention is so silly. I mean, the hats and the whole, I just, I've never really gotten into that. But it's none of that now. This is all brand new. Yeah, but people are going to wear hats at home and we're going to have to see weird, like, Zoom meetings of hat people. (laughs) Hats. If Mike Feinberg was still in business, I'd run an island Mike Feinberg and buy myself a hat. Right. A a Democrat hat. I'd like to see you walking around in a Democrat hat. A blue hat hat and a red hat just to try to, you know, see how they feel. That's all. Great. Okay. So you get two hats and then you just decide to support whoever's on TV that week. Uh, Maybe just, you know, play along. It's kind of like, I want to watch Wink Martindale play Joker's Wild or something. It's kind of have the same feel, doesn't it? Hey, speaking of Wink Martindale, that's what Mike's hair is going to get to look like soon. Mm. You know, Mike, Mike's, he's talking about, he's talking about this COVID cut he has, you know, it's getting longer and longer and higher and higher. Pretty soon he's going to turn into Wink. It's it's horrible. (laughs) I love it. Well, what's the deal? I I thought, are not hairdressers open? Is that, 
Yeah, well, what's going on, Mike? You can't prioritize your looks at this point. <laughs> I just don't want to take any chances. I don't. Mm. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't want to go out. I mean, I'm not going out anywhere. Well, I I'm thought you did this already. I did once, and I was like, you know what? I'm letting it go. Yeah, I'm letting okay. it go. Good. All right, that's fine to let it go. You look, you look good. You do. Thanks. You do you, have Mike. a little bit of sort of game show host big hair poof about you. I will say that. That's fine. And I mean My that in a positive way. Thing. My wife said the same thing. See? She, she likes it. Good. good. All yeah. right, that's fine. Then. I might sport it for a little bit longer. We'll see. Yeah, good. As long as your wife likes it, why do you give a care what John and I think? <laughs> no, <laughs> we're encouraging him. I'm saying. All that. right. Yeah. So the virtual Democratic National Convention does begin tonight, despite my unexcitement about it. Yeah. And um, you know, one of the testy things about the Democratic National Convention in the past is that they have had a contentious relationship with anything that has to do with faith or religion. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently not this year because I saw this piece at Religion News Service. And um, the Democrats are tapping, uh, no surprise, an array of faith leaders to speak at the convention. Now, the Episcopalian priest of Washington, D.C., whose church the president famously stood outside of oh, and held, and the, Bible? held the Bible up. Upside down by accident. Right. Uh, she will deliver the benediction Okay. Tuesday, uh, August the 18th, the second night of the convention. Okay. It's kind of like they're, you know, the Democrats will make a statement with that. Um, her name is Bishop Marianne Bud or Bud, B-U-D-D-E. Okay. Mm-hmm. Other faith leaders will reverend to uh, you. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's get, let's, oh, wait, I let's got start little, again. I got Speaking in tongues there, John. A little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little frog in my throat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, other faith leaders scheduled to speak include the Reverend Gabrielle Selguero, the okay. Florida-based pastor who founded the National Latino Evangelical Coalition, mm-hmm. Jerry Young of the Mississippi-based New Hope Baptist Church. Now, I'm not even going to try this name. Archbishop Ella DeForos, the leader of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of America, and Rabbi Lauren Birkin, Vice President of the Shalom Hartman Institute of North America. Uh, I'm, I'm continuing to read here, reflecting the Democrats' interest in interfaith engagement. Okay. I did not know that. All right. If if that's their interest, that's a new interest. Because, what I mean, it was like eight years ago, they were booing God, right? Right. <laughs> Reflecting the Democrats' interest in interfaith engagement, uh, Birkin is one of four faith leaders from three religious traditions who are scheduled to speak on Thursday, the convention's final day. The party also planned an interfaith service on Sunday. Also set to speak on Thursday are Sister Simone Campbell, executive director of the advocacy group Network Lobby for Catholic Social Justice and a longtime Biden ally, did into the uh, push to pass President Barack Obama's health care plan. The Reverend James Martin will also speak, a Jesuit priest and editor-at-large yep. of the Jesuit magazine America, and Iman Al-Habib Tajib. I'm not sure. Uh, that that might not be anywhere uh, close to the actual no, pronunciation. Uh, but Don't quote me on that one, please. Uh, who leads the New York-based Mosque of the Islamic Brotherhood. Okay. So it's a lot of people, a lot of faith-based people. That right. alone, Kath, make you want to uh, tune in. No. Thank you, though. I I mean, I'm glad to see that the, that the Democratic Committee is starting to realize that there are a bunch of people who actually believe in God who might yeah. vote Democrat. Because no, they certainly think, weren't talking that way, you know, but what's interesting, elections back. Don't you, anytime anybody talks about God, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm interested. I'm always interested. Oh, you're going to talk too. about God? Oh, yep. really? So what are you, you know, what are you saying about God? What are you thinking about God? How are you, 
how do you approach God? I mean, all those things are very curious. So mm-hmm. some God talk during the, uh, especially Great. the evening hours, very, very interesting. Okay. Indeed. I look forward to that. All right. Very good. I also look forward to uh, our conversation with Greg Clugston, which is coming up after this break. We'll step away. And when we come back, we'll talk to um, Greg, who's the SRN News White House correspondent, about the death of President Donald Trump's brother. Also, more details about the virtual DNC, which starts tonight, and what is going on at the post office. That's next. We're glad you're along for this week. It's the Monday edition of The Ride Home. WORD. On the next Adventures in Odyssey, something's wrong. It's Mandy's goldfish. He's been murdered, but who did it? Can Harlow Doyle solve the case, or will the answer come from a surprise witness? Then, Aubrey's odd jobs pay off. She saves enough money to take a bus trip to the Connellsville Fun Park. But the bus and her plans wind up somewhere else, and you can be there with her on the next Adventures in Odyssey. Tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM. WORD. For more than 20 years, investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney has traveled across the globe in search of patterns of evidence to support some of the Old Testament's most miraculous events. Now, with the Red Sea Miracle Part 2, journey to Egypt and beyond as Tim interviews some of the world's foremost experts to discover the truth. Is there evidence of how and where the host of Israelites could have traveled as recorded in the Bible? Is there evidence of the Egyptian army's demise in the Red Sea? If you've seen the first part of this investigation of the Red Sea miracle, you won't want to miss the continuation. The results of his pursuits are faith-affirming and fascinating. You must see Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle, Part 2. To see this powerful documentary and others in the series, go to SalemNow.com and use the promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. That's SalemNow.com, promo code Pittsburgh. Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. Help at Home, formerly XL Home Care, can provide a warm, family-like environment with a Help at Home caregiver, or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call Help at Home, 412-212-8950, 412-212-8950. At RPTS, class is back in session, on campus, in person, this fall. Theological training happens best in the context of community, and RPTS prepares students for ministry as they interact face-to-face with pastor professors who share their lives as well as their knowledge. With small class sizes and large class spaces, RPTS offers an environment that easily meets all safety protocols. So take the next step in your ministry future. RPTS, study under pastors. Register now at rpts.edu. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. That's
it's a big week around the nation's capital and politically we're always well happy to start the show by going to the white house where greg clugston joins us weekly greg is the white house correspondent for srn news greg welcome back happy monday to you thank you john kathy good afternoon great to be here Good afternoon. We're happy to have you, Greg. Let's talk first about the um, the death of President Trump's brother. Um, what do we know about that? Talk about the commentary from the president himself. Yeah, the president issued a statement uh, Saturday evening that his younger brother, Robert Trump, had died. Uh, it was just the day earlier on Friday, the president had made a stop uh, at the hospital in New York City where his brother was being cared for, and uh, he acknowledged before that visit and after that visit that his brother uh, was not in good, not in good condition. And so, um, it, it did not come as a real surprise uh, once we learned that information that then he died over the weekend. And so, um, the president was talking again today about his brother and uh, told reporters uh, on the White House lawn this morning that uh, obviously there's a lot going on politically, and the president has a lot of travel this week. But he, they're looking at having a small family memorial service, possibly at the White House on Friday. So it's interesting. I mean, the family feels as though um, um, need to know information. It's been fairly tight as far as information. Yes. Right. We uh, undisclosed reason for uh, the cause of death. Uh, There have been reports that he had been in poor health for some time, but we really don't know the specifics of of the cause of death. We obviously know it's a, a younger brother of the president. Um, another pre- brother of the president died a number of years ago. The president has occasionally talked about um, his other brother uh, and his passing uh, in public a handful of times. Uh, and in that case, it was uh, alcoholism and substance abuse. And so the president, um, who is a teetotaler and uh, has uh, talked about the scourge of drugs, uh, he often will mention his, his own uh, family's experience with his brother, his his other brother, uh, in those circumstances, but very little known about Robert and his passing over the weekend. All right. Uh, I, parenthetically, I have to say that I was looking at you know photographs of the of the president Melania and Baron Batch uh, returning, and I was absolutely shocked at how tall the president's son is. I mean, have people been talking about that, Greg? Kathy, I I, I felt the same way, and to be honest. I, uh, you know, even though I work at the White House and he lives at the White House, we obviously do not see Barron uh, very often. And, and I'm, I'm often there for helicopter arrivals and departures when the president is traveling. Um, and Barron just doesn't do a lot of travel with the president. But the, the few times that we've seen him, he looks different every time. It's like a time capsule um, from our memory of what he looked like before. And, you know, we've actually seen this with other with other kids, although it seems like in some of the other uh, presidents' uh, children, whether it's George W. Bush or, or even the Obama girls, it seems like we saw them more often, and so the changes weren't as drastic. But, yeah, he is a, he is a tall kid. He loves to play soccer, according to the president, and uh, he's growing up, I was going to say, right before our eyes, but ra- rather not before our eyes. He's wow. growing up. Yes. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, so uh, for a listener, do yourself a favor, because uh, there was a photograph that was re- released today of the president and the first lady, and uh, Baron walking down the steps, uh, departing an airplane or an aircraft. So uh, it's it's in the news today. Really fascinating right. to and see you know, how fast pres- he's going. John, sorry. sorry uh, you know, both the president and first lady, they're both tall. 
And um, at least from the angle of the photographs, because I wasn't there uh, yesterday for that for that arrival photograph. But um, yeah, he looks. Uh, Baron looks even taller than his parents at this oh, point. Oh, sure does. And listen, he was a little kid four years ago. I mean, just I just, a short while I, ago. I can't get over it. I, really I know you can't. see the photo. He looks like he's six six. Yeah, he looks very tall. Very tall. He does. Yeah. Greg Clarkson's with us, SRN News White House correspondent. So, so Greg, uh, today. The Democratic National Convention gets underway, and this weird uh, COVID era we're living through, it will be a virtual convention. Tell us about that. A virtual, con- exactly, virtual convention. Essentially, the, the Democratic National Party Convention is going to be condensed to two hours of programming every night from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. So whether you watch on your tablet or your laptop or your phone or cable television, whatever, uh, that's really all of the coverage in terms of speeches and speakers and singers and events and that kind of thing. Tonight's theme, according to the DNC, is We the People. And so you're going to hear from a number of people addressing essentially three major uh, challenges for the country right now. Obviously, COVID-19 being one of them, also racial injustice, and also just the economy. And uh, we've seen we've seen the intermingling of really of all those three issues um, play out in the streets of America and on the airwaves of the country over the last several months. So that's that's really the heart of uh, what the, the party is going to be focusing on tonight. And in terms of the speakers tonight, the the, the prime speakers, um, it's interesting. You're going to hear from Bernie Sanders. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I got to thinking that, you know, last time, four years ago, Remember all the noise the Bernie Sanders supporters made at the DNC, yes. sure. and they weren't they weren't happy with Hillary. They weren't happy with how the 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 the, the Clinton campaign treated them, and in terms of delegates and superdelegates. But with with a convention that is not in front of people, twenty thousand people inside an arena, you're not going to be hearing from the crowd of Sanders supporters. Although you'll be hearing from the senator himself. Yeah, that was a big flap at that point, Greg, because there was consternation between him and Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Hillary and, you know, yeah. the the uh, party was trying to get him to back off. And, you know, what can we do for you to make sure that you keep your people quiet? And there was a lot of drama. Right. And so that kind of element that um, is a part of traditional political conventions is simply going to be missing uh, this cycle. And understandably so. But um, while there are some things that maybe are outdated about our political conventions, there are some things where there's not really a uh, a substitute that we're expecting, at least this time around. So that's very interesting. A couple of the other speakers of note tonight, John Kasich. And of course, he's a former Republican uh, you know, congressman, yeah, he is uh, basically going to be saying we need a return to what he's calling normal in terms of wow. uh, American life. And so, and there are also three former Republican women who are going to be um, uh, speaking on the agenda tonight. And then the, the prime speaker for the evening for the DNC is former First Lady Michelle Obama. Wow. Okay. Well, it should be fascinating. And I, I do have an interest in watching it. Um, I'll watch both Democrat and Republican because this is a whole different era. And so two hours, I mean, heck, you know, I'm going to watch a movie in two hours. I'm going to watch some shenanigans and some uh, hopefully some uh, interesting programming. 
I bet there will be shenanigans because it is a political convention. We're talking to Greg Cluxton, SRN News, White House correspondent. Okay, let's move ahead and talk about the, um, I don't know, the year-long financial decline at the post office, Greg, um, all the things that have been accelerated by the coronavirus pandemic, you know, the cancellation of overtime, people are feeling, uh, employees are feeling, you know, overwhelmed, stressed. It's just, it sounds like a really difficult situation. What does the uh, White House have to say? Well, it's interesting, Kathy, because there has been a little bit of mixed messaging coming from the president himself on this issue. He he gave an interview on cable TV last, I think it was Thursday morning, where he talked about um, basically saying, "Hey, if if we don't if we don't allow this coronavirus relief package to go forward with more money for the post office, then we can we can stop attempts to help with mail-in voting because, as we know, the president is opposed to widespread mail-in voting." But then over the weekend, he was suggesting, well, we do want to give money to the post office, but we just want to give it to them in the right way and not necessarily the way the Democrats want it. So it's been a little bit of a mixed message. And of course, in this COVID-19 era, there are a lot of Americans who are thinking, well, hey, maybe I should vote by mail this year instead of standing in line with a lot of other people and potentially exposing myself when it comes to election day. So um, this is this is an interesting issue, I, I think, because it's not only a national political issue, but it's also about the most basic local issue that you can think of, because everybody gets mail. And so whether or not everybody is going to be voting by mail isn't really the issue, as opposed to how it affects them and this entire debate. Because as you pointed out, Kathy, there have been reports and, you know, I've even been on the receiving end of slow-moving mail in terms of expecting uh, something um, not too long ago. And so we are seeing that. The president today denied that he is trying to suppress, you know, the postal, offer, postal office's efforts to, uh, to help with mail-in balloting. But um, it's kind of a mess right now. And the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, uh, she has called back lawmakers to come back to D.C. this week. They're currently on their August recess, but they think it's, it's, a, it's a pressing issue. They also think it's probably a politically winning issue for them. And so mm-hmm. they're coming back and are going to pass legislation probably this coming weekend. So what sort of legislation, Greg, is, be, is being looked at? Well, essentially, the, the, bare, the bare basics of the bill that, as we know it right now, John, is that they, they, Democrats want to essentially keep in place all of the current operations of the post office. No changes, whether that's the overtime, whether that's, um, you know, removing certain sorting equipment from postal facilities, that really? kind of thing. They want to basically put a pause button on these changes mm-hmm. until after the election so as not to uh, affect the election in a negative way. That's really fascinating. I mean, you, you, the only time you ever hear people talk about the post office is to complain about poor service or perhaps raising uh, postal rates. And the post office really hasn't been an issue in this nation for many years. Right. You know, what's interesting, and President Trump is right when he says that the post office has lost billions of dollars. Uh, it's it's not a money-making you know, entity in the federal government, but it's right. it's a government service at the same time. I mean, people rely on the mail, not just for, you know, personal things um, in, ter- in terms of correspondence. And of course, that has gone down a lot, but obviously delivery of packages. But a lot of people get their prescription drugs uh, delivered by mail and all the rest. So it does provide a service, even if it's not profitable. But the president argues that it's so badly mismanaged that, um, you know, the federal government needs to uh, 
needs to look at new ways of, of, of changing that so that it's not losing so much money. It's just that when he's coupling these efforts at the same time that he's complaining about mail-in balloting just yeah, three months right. before the election, that has a lot of people really concerned. Fascinating. So when will everyone be back in town? This week? Well, members of the House will be coming back this week, according to uh, Speaker Pelosi, but the Senate is also on, on its August recess, and typically it's for the month of August. I mean, uh, as of now, the Senate, I don't believe, is expected back until either just before, or I think it's just after Labor Day. Um, so that's, you know, they could they could make an emergency return just like the House is doing, but we'll have to see. Obviously, the, the Democrat-controlled House could pass something, and the Republican-controlled Senate might say, Eh, we're not we're not going to do that right now. So even if there's action this weekend, you guys, um, we still may be talking about this this time next week. Hmm. Got it. Greg Clugston with us, SRN News White House correspondent in his uh, Monday slot on our show. Uh, Greg, before you leave us, um, before I want to talk about something that John that I brought up with John and Mike before you joined us, which was um, all the hats that go on at the convention. You know, people have, you know, animals on their heads, flags on their heads. Things are lit up. Things, it's not going to happen. You know, it's good. I'm wondering what we can possibly look forward to in this virtual DNC. W- will there be hats? It seems like somebody will do something, you know, mm-hmm. obviously uh, both parties are working on how they're going to be packaging their evening, uh, basically kind of their TV or video productions for people to tune in and watch. And you would think somebody, whether it's hats or balloons or some sort of festive, festive um, element of the convention that we're not going to be able to witness in person now, mm-hmm. um, you'd think somebody will come up with that. Um, I don't have any inside knowledge, though, as to how or if that will happen, but it might be kind of fun to at least see somebody give it a shot. I would imagine, you know, there's been all this consternation about TikTok lately. Perhaps we'll see some sort of TikTok videos that accompany both the Democrats and Republicans as the convention no, goes think, on. Or maybe if we're concerned about national security, we should not do that. TikToks. No, wait, <laughs> hey, Greg, before you leave us, so obviously you're going to be a part of the, uh, the Salem um, uh, Salem coverage of the Democratic National Convention. But is the president and on the the Republicans also looking at counter programming as the Democrats control the major airwaves this week? Absolutely. Real quickly, the president is traveling to four battleground states today, including Pennsylvania. He'll be in your state on Thursday, just a few hours before Joe Biden accepts his party's nomination. Uh, in the evening on Thursday. And where is the president going to be? He's going to be um, right near Scranton. And of course, that's Joe Biden's hometown. So uh, it's an aggressive schedule by the president. He's in Milwaukee. I'm sorry, he's in Minnesota and Wisconsin this afternoon. And of course, Wisconsin is uh, home to Milwaukee, which is the headquarters for the virtual convention of the DNC. So the president and his campaign are uh, very aggressive in, in offering counter-programming and going to uh, to what are going to be hard-fought states for both both of these candidates. Very interesting. And Greg, you, you'll be uh, hosting the uh, Salem event this week? Yeah, we'll be, uh, I'll be monitoring um, and anchoring our Salem Radio Network news coverage from um, our studios in, in Washington, D.C., and uh, we'll be monitoring with special reports uh, the first three nights and then anchored coverage of Joe Biden's acceptance speech on Thursday night, and then we'll have a similar schedule next week for the Republicans. Very nice. I look forward to that, Greg. Now, hatless or with a hat? I will be going hatless. I will. Mm-hmm. I think it's a but wise like choice. A, that's... But I like a good hat, though. So oh, I'm sure it we do. But just in your in your off hours, that's all I'm asking, Greg. Oh, in my off hours, yeah, I'm I'm often seen wearing 
uh, a baseball cap, absolutely. But not a donkey or an elephant. That's a relief to all of us. That's Greg Clugston. (laughs) SRN News White House correspondent. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Greg. Okay, guys. Information about Greg Clugston, wardfm.com, Salem Radio Network News. Greg Clugston. We'll take a break. Come back. Um, Jim Wallace replaced as Sojourner's editor. Jim Wallace. After another flap. I was going to say after a flap, but it's to be the second flap we've talked about today. So we'll come back and talk about it next on The Right House. Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Excellent. Breathtaking. A movie that is changing hearts and minds. I really feel inspired. We're going to put up statues because of what this film may do. An eye-opening masterpiece of the real history of America. They want to cover up history. I didn't study that kind of stuff when I was in history. They are actively learning their history wrong. Why have you hidden this from me? Starring Larry Elder. And Uncle Tom is somebody who has sold out by embracing the white man. Candace Owens. I'm a black female. I should be at the top of the progressive stack. Brandon Tatum. They believe that I want to be accepted in the white community. Kind of like the house Negro back in slavery. And Herman Cain. As my late grandfather used to say, I does not care. These are the voices of the movie Uncle Tom. Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. You know what you could do? You could completely rid of all the grass in your backyard and turn it into a gigantic neon green trampoline park. Or you could turn all the walls in your home office into a massive vending machine display where only you know the special code and only Rolos and Fritos pop out. Hey, it's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and one thing we're seeing from hundreds of families across the country is the cash-out refinance. Home values have gone up significantly the last few years, leaving many families with the ability to cash out the equity in their home to use for life. Usually, it's for normal things like paying off credit card debt or doing home upgrades. But it could be for a vending machine room. Just saying. If you're curious of your options, we'd love to help. We are United Faith Mortgage. See our story and read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. Wahoo! United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody to Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Coming down the home stretches, Liberty Mutual, followed by customizes your car insurance. But wait, from the back comes so you only pay for what you need. So it's Liberty Mutual, customizes your car insurance, so you only pay for what you need. And I'm pretty sure this is just an elaborate insurance ad. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight, patch of clouds, low 60, partly sunny tomorrow, high 81. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy, low 60. Wednesday, a shower or thunderstorm in spots in the morning. Otherwise, clouds and sunshine, high Wednesday, 80. For Thursday, clouds and sunshine, high again, around 80. 
With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. In the uh, fractured political landscape that we live in, of course, uh, religion is in many ways a, a large part of that. You know, often we'll say, I, I'm a conservative Christian. Mm, I'm well, a liberal if Christian. A, I'm, I'm sorry, Kath? I'm a liberal Christian. Right. So if there is a conservative Christian, then there is a flip side to that. There is a liberal Christian. And uh, one of the most prominent liberal Christians, a man by the name of uh, Jim Wallace, Reverend Jim Wallace, uh, he is head of the progressive Christian magazine called Sojourners. I think Jim has been with us a couple of times mm -hmm. yep. in the past. Well, the um, uh, Jim Wallace um, has been replaced. Founder and uh, president Jim Wallace, as editor-in-chief, announced a new policy of editorial independence from the organization's advocacy work, Sojourners has. The decision came after weeks of turmoil, apparently, which uh, I did not know about, over Wallace's removal of an essay criticizing white supremacists within the Catholic Church, which led two staffers of color to resign from the magazine. Uh, the article goes on. This is from Religion News Services, uh, their website. Wallace, a prominent progressive theologian and activist who has also written for Religion News Services, will continue to serve as president of the Sojourners organization. Now, the controversial essay written by University of California, Los Angeles lecturer Eric Martin was published in the magazine's Sojourners magazine, August print edition under the title Harboring a Culture of Hate and online as the Catholic Church has a visible white power faction. On July 28th, following backlash from Catholic leaders, Wallace removed the article from the site saying it, quote, made unwanted insinuations and allegations against many followers. In three lengthy subsequent editor's notes, he criticized Martin's claims that the U.S. bishops voted to reject language condemning swastikas, Confederate flags, and nooses in their 2018 pastoral letter against racism. In fact, he wrote, the bishop's letter does name, does name nooses and swastikas as a, quote, tragic indicator of rising racial and ethnic aminus. Hmm. So. Okay, so this seems like a matter of not disagreement as much as how far, what how far you're willing to go in your argument. And so people inside Sojourners are disagreeing on that. That's exactly it. Right. So it's a matter of verbiage and. And degree. It's, and it's really interesting. I mean, so everything has all these variables now, politically, socially, um, religiously. And this happens to be a very inside the bottle, left commenting on left, swirling about is this enough about this particular notion right. or this particular topic about Catholics and their condemnation of hate? Yeah, but isn't it a larger, I think for any person in leadership of any kind, I think it's a scary era because regardless of what the issue is, if you're not enough against, if you're not against it enough, then you know, the people who are around you are going to say, well, you know what? He's not really invested. Enough, or so if you've not shown a history of doing enough or speaking enough, or if in some way you've wavered, then you can quickly be taken down. We've seen that nationally yeah, and locally. Um, this is a new era, very fragile and also very angry mm -hmm. that we live in. Yeah. 
all right, <clears throat> the left eats the left, which is what they say. And of course, the right does the same as well. So, all right, coming up next, we're going to turn to history for some uh, semblance of, uh, I don't know, wisdom, maybe. Uh, Dr. Thomas Kidd, one of the wisest historians that we know, our favorite historian on the ride home, is going to join us from Baylor University. We're going to talk about a, um, a group of people which is consistently uh, spoken about poorly. And we're going to talk about the Puritans and say, wait, is, is that really the whole story or is there more to the Puritans than what the average American knows? That's next. Dr. Thomas Kidd from Baylor on the ride home. WORD. 30 million children in the U.S. rely on school for food. And with schools and summer camp programs shut down due to the pandemic, the need is both great and immediate. Join Word FM as we team up with Save the Children to meet the needs of children not only around the world, but right here at home. A $100 gift right now can help us keep kids healthy and learning throughout the COVID-19 outbreak. Make the greatest difference at a crucial time for kids now by going to wordfm.com. Thinking about life insurance? Did you know in just a few minutes you can find the best price from up to 10 price competitive companies for free? You can with SelectQuote. For example, George is 39. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $22 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Microband 24 protects against Staphylococcus aureus and Enterobacter aerogenes bacteria, but does not provide 24-hour protection against viruses. Every time you touch a surface, you leave behind bacteria. To keep surfaces sanitized all day, use Microband 24. Spray on hard surfaces to kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria initially. Once dry, Microband 24 is effective for 24 hours on bacteria when used as directed. Microband 24 sanitizing spray, bathroom, and multi-surface cleaner. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to Surround Pittsburgh. Surround SurroundPittsburgh.com, connecting you with new customers. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station.
one of the one of the big put downs, I believe, you know, within Christian circles, you go, oh, you know, you're such a Puritan. People hear that like, relax it. You are such a Puritan. You know, it's, oh, well, that's supposed to sting. Well, what exactly does all that mean? Mm-hmm. The Puritans and the, the moralizing. Well, Dr. Thomas Kidd is with us. Dr. Thomas Kidd's been with us for many years. He's the Vardaman Distinguished Professor of History at Baylor University, author of among many other excellent works, Who is an Evangelical? A History of the Movement in Crisis. Also, Benjamin Franklin, The Religious Life of a Founding Father, and Baptist in America, A History. Here today to talk to us about those Puritans, exceptional Protestants or prejudiced moralizers. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, Tom, always good to hear from you. And this is uh, this is such a fascinating topic, especially because of the rapid secularization we've seen in America over the last, you know, 20, 50 years. Um, the idea of the, the Puritan being everything that the secularized culture labels as Christian, or maybe everything Christian they label as kind of puritanical. Um, talk about that, Tom. Talk about whether that's that's like an accurate perspective. Is it is it something that should be like a you know an attack word? Well, it was an attack word at the very beginning. I mean, the, the term Puritan was an insult in the 1600s, you know, just like it is today. And people didn't tend to call themselves Puritans, but uh, the name stuck. Um, and, and you know, whatever we think about the Puritans, and I can. I imagine that even some Christians would end up not liking some things about the Puritans. But, you know, they were a very serious Christian group, and people uh, have been blaming them for all kinds of things in American culture almost from the very beginning. But certainly, you know, 100, 150 years ago, the term Puritan was was used uh, to blame, you know, the Puritans for sort of Victorian morality. And the Puritans didn't have anything to do with that. So blaming the Puritans has been an American pastime, I think, for for quite a long time. Interesting. Okay, so then talk to us about the root of the Puritans. They evolved from what, and they gained this title of the Tisk-Tisk, why? So uh, this goes back to the beginnings of the English Reformation, and if you know anything about the story, it's, you know, Henry VIII wanted an annulment of his marriage to his wife, and the Pope wouldn't give it, and so they broke away from the Roman Catholic Church in in England. And even in that very brief summary, I mean, you you can tell that a lot of that had to do with politics and Henry VIII's uh, successive marriages. (laughs) And so there were a lot of people in England who wanted the Reformation, but they wanted to be based on more, you know, biblical principles about God's grace and the Bible alone and the the kind of classic ideas that animated the Reformation. And and so the the Puritans tended to be the ones who wanted to see uh, more Reformation in the Church of England, uh, that, that they wanted the Church to be purer than what, what it seemed to be at the time. But a lot of that uh, had to do with wanting to have a clear teaching about grace and the Bible, but they also were critical of the Church of England, which remained very hierarchical even after the Reformation, and that's why, you know, even today you have things like the Archbishop of Canterbury, and that's a remaining kind of hierarchical tendency of the Church of England, and the Puritans uh, didn't like that so much. Talk about the name Puritan, Tom. Where'd it come from? 
Well, it was it, it was a term of insult. Uh, that you know, the, it was kind of uh, synonymous with busybodies. You know, people who can't ever be satisfied. And so, the mainstream Church of England people would call them uh, the Precisionist Party or uh, the Puritans. And and for whatever reason, with scholars, the term Puritan just kind of stuck. Interesting. Okay, so Tom, things of course always go in and out of fashion. But uh, there was a time, and you say this in your article, that dating back to the 1800s, Americans really saw the Puritans as key players in what would be considered our core character, or at least envisioned as our core characters. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, in in the 1800s, I would say the Puritans were viewed very positively uh, because of of you know, the the ideal of New England town meeting government, which which you know the Puritans inaugurated, and this sort of you know republic style of government where people are accountable to one another, but ultimately accountable to God. I mean, a lot of historians back then sort of saw the Puritans as as representing everything that's that's really good about the American. A tradition. Now, a lot of these historians were uh, what we might call Yankee historians <laughs> after the Civil War, you know, who, who were sort of saying, you know, everything good about the nation came from the founding of the northern uh, states and, and so forth. So Southerners tend to <laughs> roll, roll their eyes about this. But, then, you know, by the time you get into the 19-teens, 1920s, I really would would say that was the time where where historians tended to be the most negative about the Puritans, Mm -hmm. because the Puritans seemed not to be very positive about things like democracy. And so they, they, you know, they fell out of favor because they were to blame, as I said, for, you know, Victorian morality and all these kind of things. Um, So so even though we're becoming more secular, I would say, you know, professional historians are you know, more positive about the Puritans today than they were 100 years ago. Dr. Thomas Kidd with us, Vardaman Distinguished Professor of History at Baylor University, author of, among other books, Who is an Evangelical? A History of a Movement in Crisis, and Benjamin Franklin, The Religious Life of a Founding Father. Tom, talk about the um, the evolution in the ranks, in the in the theology, in the worldview of the Puritans, as, you know, freedom-loving people who were definitely... Um, motivated by a desire to worship according to their own conscience and then coming here and getting involved in government um, and and becoming pretty overarching in some of their requirements. Right. So um, the, the, the Puritans are definitely coming to the new world for religious freedom, um, but they, they were very confident that they knew what the truth was biblically and that they should not allow people to violate uh, those truths. So, for instance, they were very strong about observing the Sabbath. It is, after all, in Ten Commandments that we're to observe the Sabbath. And so they said, we're not going to let people just, you know, flagrantly violate the Sabbath because that's against God's law. Uh, and, and so, so even, uh, they, Tom, let, let me interrupt you, even in a civic sense, they yeah, it wasn't yeah. that they were talking about other members of the church. They said, "No, we're just gonna we're gonna bar anyone from doing that." Right, right, and and I mean, I I think that they were able to 
imagine this possibility, partly because they really only wanted Puritans to be there in the New New England colonies. And so they basically said, hey, if you don't like the program, you can get out. (laughs) That's your religious freedom, right? (laughs) You can leave if you You want to. Um, we're not going to make you stay, but if you stay, they said that you've got to you've got to work the program, and so that this this really led not not a lot, but it led to some pretty awful uh, episodes. Like in the 1650s and 60s, there were some Quaker missionaries who were executed in in Massachusetts for you know they had been banished repeatedly, and we told you not to come back, and you keep coming back and preaching this alternative way. And so they had them executed, uh, and and so uh, they they really were not believers in religious liberty and religious freedom like we think of it today. Right. Okay. So then, Tom, give us a. Um, you talk about John Bunyan, and in many ways, that's an exclamation point of you know what a Puritan would aspire to be, the man John Bunyan. Right. So Bunyan is one of the the Puritans who who remained in England, um, but there was not a lot of religious freedom there either from the Church of England. Um, And he uh, was he he, is what you call a tinker. He he mended people's pots and pans for them and, and was kind of in this listless existence until he met in Bedford, England, uh, a group of Puritan uh, women, strikingly. I mean, it was it was women that he met and evangelized him um, and told him about God's grace for sinners. And he felt like he was being introduced by these believers into just a whole new world of grace and truth of the Bible that he had never known about before. And he believed that he could be saved and and embrace the grace of God for him. And he was so motivated that this, you know, mender of pots and pans uh, started preaching. Uh, You couldn't just up and start a church in those days, but Bunyan was so motivated by this that he decided to to help start a house church. That was illegal. It kind of reminds you of the situation in China today. You know, it was illegal to start up a house church, but... Bunyan did it anyway, and for his efforts, he ended up in jail for 12 years. Um, not, not much religious liberty there, but it was in jail that he wrote uh, Pilgrim's Progress, uh, which many of your hearers will, will have, have read that or heard that read as children. And uh, it's just an amazing story, uh, the history of literature, of course, but the history of the Reformation. And that that's the kind of story. I mean, you want to understand what makes a person a Puritan. Uh, that that's that's a story for you. Tom, our, our time is almost up. I need to uh, ask you to answer this if you can in sixty seconds. Um, is it appropriate to say Puritans, good or bad? Uh, in historical sense, there's no question that it's it's appropriate. I mean, even though it was a term of insult, it's you know it signals something that people know what we're talking about. But we just have to be careful about not applying. You know, modern stereotypes mm-hmm. to the Puritans, right, and, and stereotyping them by, you know, some Christian that you don't like today. Right. Well, if someone's going to call you a Puritan, I think many people would say, I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> That's definitely true. Very nice. Thomas Kidd, thank you so much. Always a good pleasure. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. From Baylor University, Dr. Thomas Kidd. His latest is called, Who is an Evangelical? A History of a Moment in Crisis. Take a break, come back. John MacArthur is making news in California. We'll have that story in a few minutes. If- 
If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call, and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring. But one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call one 1- 800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. Hi, I'm John Henny from Henny Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Planning a vacation can be a lot of fun, but preparing for retirement, not so much. It's confusing. That's where Kevin Bach can help, showing you how to generate retirement income, how to choose a good Social Security claiming strategy, and how to help minimize your tax obligations. Call Kevin at 724-837-3553. Kevin Bach is not affiliated with the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. Insurance and annuities offered through Kevin Bach, PA Insurance License Number 352896. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everyone body the Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, First, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. John MacArthur has been in the news. I should say John MacArthur and his church, Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. They've been in the news for the past, I don't know, six weeks or so, uh, wrangling with uh, the California governor and uh, the powers that be in the state of California. So uh, on Sunday... Pastor MacArthur and his congregation met in defiance of court orders by meeting uh, inside, unmasked, and without any social distancing. And um, from the pulpit, uh, John MacArthur spoke about this. And um, it has been really very, very contentious. He said, um, I'm very grateful the court has allowed us to meet indoors. This was um, before there was... um, a ruling against the, the MacArthur church, but uh, they're going to go on and be part of this and uh, just continue to meet against California authorities wishes. Right. Um, it's, 
I think it's fascinating, Kath, isn't it? Yeah, it is fascinating. I, I think the question that it's important to ask ourselves, each one of us, is when is it, when's your moment? What What's your hill that you're going to die on? This is clearly it for Grace Community right. Church this and John what, MacArthur. Right, this is what he's decided is the hill to die on. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have any quotes from uh, Dr. MacArthur? Yes, I'm sorry. I was just looking for these. Um, yes. He said on Sunday morning, quote, the good news is that you're here you're not distancing, and you're not wearing masks. The congregation then cheered in response. Okay, and of so course that, it, okay, so that here's the thing. that That's become a political rally. That's not a worship service. Yeah. Well, he made a statement, did he not, right, that we're not going to listen to what the authorities have to say. Uh, you see the photographs from the, the, the worship gathering. People are just jammed in like they would, you know, on any normal day pre-COVID. So, um Say what you will. Hope they stay safe. Yeah, me too. Hope they stay safe. Coming up at the 5 o'clock hour, are you overpraising your child? We'll find out next. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker too. Plus iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. A hostage situation ending earlier today in Clear Lake, Texas. But a man and his mother exited a house where a day earlier three police officers had been shot and wounded. Two of the wounded officers treated and released, the third undergoing surgery. No details given on what started the incident, and the man's name has not been released. California Utilities bringing back power over the weekend to thousands of customers. After a brief outage, the California system operator says the blackouts throughout the state caused by the failure of a power plant and the loss of wind power. More than 4,500 buildings remain threatened by a wildfire burning toward the Angeles National Forest. The lake fire in California just 12% contained now. On Wall Street, stocks finish mixed. The Dow lost 86 points. The Nasdaq gaining 110. This is SRN News. My wife and I have had this conversation 700 times. Honey, where would you like to go for dinner? Oh, I don't care. Whatever you think. Okay, how about Restaurant One? Oh, no, definitely not Restaurant 1. How about Restaurant 2 instead? Oh, please don't ever make me go back to Restaurant 2. And it soon becomes clear that we need a restaurant advisor for a decision that big. It's Ryan. And in many ways, our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is kind of like a restaurant advisor. But for mortgages, we're big on presenting you with your options and then letting you decide. As in, refinancing to a 30-year loan will make your payment this and save you that over the 30 years. Or a 20-year refinance will mean this and that. Or you could cash out this much of your current equity and end up with this and that. If you'd like to see your options, know that we're committed to never pressuring even one word FM listener. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary. But they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. This is the Entertainment Answer. 
What is my streaming pick of the week? Well, it has to be the Red Sea Miracle Part 2. Journey to Egypt and beyond as Tim Mahoney, who has traveled the globe for evidence of some of the Old Testament's most miraculous events, interviews the world's foremost experts to discover the truth. Now to see patterns of evidence, the Red Sea Miracle Part 2, and others in the series, go to SalemNow.com and use the promo code MOVIE for 20% off. That's SalemNow.com to watch Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle Part 2. Hey, Mike, how's the house coming along? (sighs) Needs a ton of work. The pipes are leaking. Needs a new roof. The AC just broke. I just don't have time to do it all myself. You know anyone? Oh, just ask HomeAdvisor. They match you with the best local pros for any home project. Cool. Yeah, you can read reviews and book appointments online. What's it cost? Actually, HomeAdvisor is always free to use. Nice. I'll check it out. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app. HomeAdvisor. This radio station accepts political advertising. In fact, we are required to do so by federal law. We understand that not all of our listeners will agree with statements or positions taken by all of these candidates, and sometimes neither do we. This radio station is an important part of this community, and therefore the candidates want to bring their message to you via our airwaves. We do so as a public service, and we are required to do so. Regardless of your position on these issues, please make sure you register to vote so your voice is heard. Tonight, patchy clouds, low 60, partly sunny, tomorrow, high 81. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy, low 60. Wednesday, a shower or thunderstorm in spots in the morning. Otherwise, clouds and sunshine, high Wednesday, 80. For Thursday, clouds and sunshine, high again, around 80. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Kathy, praise your kids often? Hey, you're fabulous. Good job. Dig you. I think I do, but mm-hmm. now, that I've, now that I've seen the article, or the, the uh, title of what you're going to mm-hmm. talk about, I'm thinking maybe I'm screwing it up. Well, I saw something that, about overpraise. Are you overpraising your child? All those good jobs might be undermining kids' independence and self-confidence. Again, another parental failure. Just chalk another. You're trying to do right, and then all of a sudden, here comes another expert telling you, no, you've been doing it all all wrong all this time. All right. So, How do I know if I'm praising my child too much? Right. Well, you know, they're saying, essentially... Back in the 70s, you know, as Dr. Spock evolved into, you know, raising the proper child from the 60s and all that thing. And, you know, different than parents in the you know 30s, the 40s and the 50s where they just, you know, whacked you. Well, or back you know, in the back in the feudal era when they were yeah. just happy if they lived to age five. Exactly. Well, so then people started to go, hey, you know what? I see you, kid, and you're doing a great job. But that, you know, I want to encourage you. I want to commend you for the, you know, doing some excellent work. And so a lot of kids grew up with that, where they were praised nonstop. Hey, you know, okay, you got to, you got to see, good job. Or, I like what you've done. You know how that is. I mean, I've done it. I've done it a million times. Well, according according to this article, we're doing it too much, Mm -hmm. and by doing it too much. You lock a kid in by saying, 
good job, good job, good job. Well, the kid becomes sort of addicted to the good job, good job thing. And so is afraid to change for fear of losing that, that always that good vibe. And so the kid becomes less adventuresome and in some ways less confident because the kid just always stays on that track. Kind of, I don't know if I buy this or not. This That's is just so depressing. Right. So here, here's their, here's their panacea. All right. Instead of praising the person, your kid, you should praise the process. Good job right? figuring that out. Right. Good job persevering. Instead of saying, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, the great job. You're so smart. Or I can see that. Okay. So that, that's a good point that, you know, instead of saying, aren't you the greatest kid ever? Aren't you the smartest person in your class? Oh, no. You, don't you, say, most, you say that? No, I don't say that. But I'm, I think that's what the article is saying. Instead of saying things like that, you should instead say, hey, you know, instead of saying, hey, great job getting an A in the class or a B in the class or a, mm. whatever it is, you can say, hey, you know what? You were looking really bad in that class two weeks in and to see where you ended up. Right. That's that's a real tribute to you. Right. So they're saying rather than praise, this is good. Offer descriptive feedback. Oh gosh. I'm gonna start it doing might. this with Mike. Mike, I want to tell you what a terrific <laughs> job you did on the four thirty-five commercial yeah. break second segment. Oh my what are they talking about? It took a lot of work. Feed. A lot you of did work. It? Thank- All right, Mike. I just want you to know I see you. Thank you. Appreciate if I said this to my dad, praise. Dad, I'd rather you praise me, uh other than give me descriptive feedback, right. you know what? He'd smack me in the head just for bringing it up. You know that? Yeah, I can believe that. I mean, we've sort of like we've gone okay, so, so overboard. Okay, so what's descriptive feedback? What am I supposed to say? Descriptive feedback. Um, how to talk to you? Wait, who's so, writing how- that? Where, where's this article from? It's the Times. Paul right. Underwood is the author of this. Okay. In the parenting book, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk, Adele Faber and uh, her co-author introduce the concept of descriptive feedback. Your child might do something praiseworthy, but rather than compliment it, which can turn an achievement into something done for your approval, merely describe the action you saw. This in turn might encourage your child to consider and even discuss the thinking that went into their artwork. It's similar to asking, how was your day at school? Often invites silence while saying something like, I noticed a colorful drawing in your backpack might invite your daughter to provide you with the artist commentary. Mm. Okay. The artist commentary, like, Oh yeah. Hey, I noticed you had that. Tell me about that. What were you doing there? Right. Again. What? Okay. So it's, it's verging on a little too much process and just a little too precious in our attempt to be the perfect parent. But I do think there's, I am cranky today. I need tell me about that. Gosh, I'm sorry. Okay, but I do. I, I'm I'm getting that there's a point there, which is that if if you know your kid, I remember um, maybe fourth grade, my kids had this project that they had to do. Mm. Um, it was uh, like the Pennsylvania project, and they had to describe all sorts of things about Pennsylvania. They had to draw all the rivers of Pennsylvania. They had to draw the mountains of Pennsylvania. Right, right, right. They had to talk about the industry of Pennsylvania. You know, it was like mm, a big yeah, huge sure. thing. Now, when your kids in fourth grade, you get a project like that, you realize the project is really your project. Your project. You're, right. You. I have gotten a month of homework. A month. Right homework here that I get to, uh, you know, try to space out on. I don't miss those days at all. Do you? But but I remember going through that with each of my kids Mm. 
And a lot of that is not the final grade. It's the process of learning how to do a project. So if you're going to compliment your kid on how they decided, you know, to that they had to turn the TV off and it was time to do the project or they had to keep all their papers in order. I can see where that would be a good thing. You like describing that. I guess. All right. Do, do you remember any particular projects that you thought that was fun? I mean, you know, I, I did projects with, with my kid, the two of us together. That was really good time. I, I, I'm glad it's over, but I really enjoyed doing it. <laughs> I can see that you're, you, you have no interest in that. I mean, one time, my kid and I, we built a trebuchet, oh, which was super cool. I thought, I don't know. He was interested in a trebuchet. You know, you know, you know what that is? Like, it's mm-hmm. kind of like the yeah. throws, the, the right. rock, right? The medieval boom right. flying in the air. How did we do that? And he took it in, but they had to know that he, the kid had to have some help, right? right. The two of us together. I don't know. No, I think, I mean, I, I've enjoyed doing a lot of things with my kids. I don't know if I ever really enjoyed any of those assignments they brought home in elementary school that were Mm. more for me than them. Okay. How about this? How about the science fair? Let's just break that down a little. I didn't mind it. I mean, again, it just made made a lot of tension. It made a lot of tension. That's all. Get out of here. Come on. I know. I I have a bad attitude about science. If the kid had at least some ballpark idea and it wasn't the night before, then I was okay with it. That's great. Right. You did a great job with that. No, 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 no. I really noticed how particular you were in that process. And I just want you to know that I appreciate it, but I'm not praising you too much because I don't want you to take my praise for granted. How'd that all work out now that we're all in the COVID era, all that praise you're heaped on your kid. I liked how you washed your hands. You did a good job with the Clorox wipe. Again, you know, for the 150th day, honey. (laughs) Coming up next. Our friend David French will be with us, senior editor at The Dispatch, also an attorney. He's going to be talking about a a really excellent piece he wrote called The Deep Breath Before the Plunge. What is the next six months in America going to be like? We'll toss around some ideas, hear what David has to say next on the Monday edition of The Ride Home. W-O-R-D. It's back to school time. Whether your kids are returning to class with face masks or you're keeping them at home, one thing will stay the same. Back to school is expensive. So we'd like to help. Enter the back to school sweepstakes. You could win $2,500 for your kids' expenses. Then we pay an additional $2,500 to your school. There are lots of ways to enter. Find out how you and your school could be a winner. Sign up at wordfm.com. I know. That on those tablets Mr. Moses brought down is the commandment to not covet. But I'll confess, my neighbor and his lawnmower is making it tough. He's got this stand-behind, ride-along space shuttle that covers probably three times more space than my trusty old lawn boy. So, when we have who mows the fastest races, which are completely fabricated in my head, he has some impressive advantages that I just don't have. And at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're blessed to have a pretty special advantage of our own, and one that could be a big deal for you. Our team is lucky to be an arm of a bigger company that is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, an advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We 
are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park, Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to AnimalistConsumerAccess.org. Corporate Animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. For more than 20 years, investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney has traveled the globe for evidence of some of the Old Testament's most miraculous events. Now with the Red Sea Miracle Part 2, Journey to Egypt and Beyond, as Tim interviews the world's foremost experts to discover the truth. The results are faith-affirming and fascinating. You must see Patterns of Evidence, the Red Sea Miracle Part 2. To see this powerful documentary and others in the series, go to SalemNow.com and use the promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. We are limiting the number of people in the office. It's patients and staff members only. At Stock Family Dentistry, exceptional dentistry begins with safety. We look a little different. We have more gear on, hand sanitizing stations throughout the office, frequently disinfecting all common areas. We're even using a UV light. All of these precautions are put into place for our patient's safety and our team member's safety. On Perry Highway in Wexford, at Stock Family dentistry.com. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound senior's achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem around and this station. I didn't want to talk. She just sat with me. That was all I really needed. We got back, and of course we went to different cities. One day he called me out of the blue, and it's comforting to know that I always can count on him to have my back. We hadn't talked for a while, and then she texted me, and we went for a walk. She called me from time to time. I really didn't think I needed any help. I was away from my family during the holidays, and a friend invited me to their house for dinner. Really meant a lot. He knew I was having a rough week. So he asked me to go fishing with him. My friend knew that I didn't want to go out, so she brought me dinner instead. It took me from being really depressed to feeling like somebody cared. It gave me some hope. Just that one text. Be there. Your call. Your presence. Your words. Your support. Be there and help save a life. Learn more about preventing suicide at VeteransCrisisLine.net. Medical technology allows us to see inside the womb like never before. This is Dr. David Stevens of the Christian Medical Association. More than 8 out of 10 women seeking abortion will change their mind if they're allowed to see an ultrasound of their baby. It's not surprising that abortion organizations fight to stop mandatory ultrasound laws. They lose money and life triumphs. A Harvest America moment with Pastor Greg Laurie. The only way to live the best life in this life is to always be aware of the nearness of the afterlife. So think about heaven. Think about the afterlife. Here's what Colossians 3 says. Uh, You've been raised with Christ. So set your hearts on things above, for Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your minds, that phrase means to actively seek or have this inner disposition. Or as one translation puts it, and I like this translation, think heaven. 
Impact your world with the gospel by knowing God and making him known. Connect with Pastor Greg Laurie and sign up to receive his free daily devotion emails. To get started, visit harvest.org today. Tonight begins the uh, Democratic National Convention. And of course, it's um, the virtual version of the DNC. And then Republicans will soon follow suit. So here we are at the beginning, finally at the beginning of something. David French has been with us on a regular basis over these many years. And he wrote a wonderful piece on the dispatch over the weekend called The Deep Breath Before the Plunge. David, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, so David, I'm guessing you're a little bit of a Tolkien geek. <laughs> Just from the quote, I, I saw the quote. I was like, yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Gandalf and Pippin are standing at Minas Tirith and um, things are really heating up and they're looking kind of off into the distance, you know, um, as I remember it. And uh, he says, but it's so, Pippin says, but it's so quiet. Mm-hmm. And Gandalf says, uh, it is the, what is it? It's the what before the, the, the deep, deep breath, breath before the plunge. Before the plunge. Yes. The, I have a favorite quote that comes in after that because Pippin says, being in a battle is bad enough, but waiting on the edge of one is even worse. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was such a vivid image um, because, you know, look, n- and nothing ever calms down on Twitter, but uh, August are kind of the dog days of summer for politics and law and and uh many other things where people are on vacation they're not paying attention but uh the conventions and really marked like the the fire of the starters pistol of like the the final the final leg of a presidential election and this is when people really start to pay attention and and uh, i was just um trying to put this in perspective for folks because i think we're going to see more apocalyptic rhetoric about this election uh, over the next, you know, 80 days or so than we've seen maybe in our lifetimes. Um, and that, you know, there are going to be people who raise the stakes so high that they're going to argue that America will be over. In fact, the president argued himself that it would be the end of America if he loses. And we're going to so have to start speaking Chinese, he said. Have to start speaking Chinese. Uh, and so I just, I wanted to take a moment and just to remind uh, my my readers that God is sovereign here, um, that this is not, it is, it is not, a, n- number one, it's just false to sort of sit, to look at the policy differences between Biden or Trump and say either set of policies will end America. That, that's just wrong. Um, but the, beyond that, um, the sovereignty of God over the process cannot be overlooked. And mm-hmm. the words of, you know, the words that uh, have, the prophet Isaiah said about how God takes care of his people, quote, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. These words are true, and we do not need to face an election with a spirit of fear. Amen to that. Boy, I, I need to hear this, right? Yeah, because everyone's clutching and clawing. Here we go. We're ready. Our doom is upon us. Right. David, in the peace, the deep breath before the plunge, you talk about something called the um, Flight ninety. 90- three fear mongering go yes. into that please because i did not know this before yeah so um back in 2016 a guy named michael anton wrote a essay that was very influential in certain circles a calling 2016 the flight 93 election and essentially this was a callback to the heroic charge of the cockpit from flight 93 and mm-hmm. on 9 11 where the passengers 
overpowered the hijackers and tried to take control of the plane before it hit the ground. And he uh, uh, drew an analogy to politics. And he said that Americans had to charge the cockpit or we would die. That that would be the consequence of Hillary Clinton winning the election is that, that America would be over. It, America would end. And no, he wasn't sure if Donald Trump would save the country, but you, that he was the only, he was the only hope. And so this sort of coined a term called Flight 93-ism. In other words, this view that every election is in the outcome of an election can present an existential threat to the country. And, and this, I said, you know, two things. One, uh, the alarmism is often completely overblown that the policies of neither the Biden-Harris ticket nor the Trump administration will end America. That bad policies can damage a country but our country is incredibly resilient. However, alarmism itself, excessive alarmism itself can be incredibly mm -hmm. dangerous that while you know, different tax rates or different Supreme Court justices are not going to, one's not going to end America or versus save America, um, that widespread hate, corruption, fear can create its own kind of crisis. Uh, and that's what I was saying to Christians is we have to be the voice that avoids and shuns that hate and mm -hmm. that shuns that fear. We have to be the voice of calm and peace in the storm that's coming. David French is with us, senior editor at The Dispatch, an attorney and also a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Um, David, in your article that is uh, very well done, I, it brought up something that I just started thinking about over the weekend, which is that with the election approaching, with the fact that the COVID-19 era has certainly not passed us by, and with the post office uh, crisis, I started thinking, wow, this is just ripe for there being all sorts of accusations about mail-in voting, about yeah. how the post office didn't work, about how we're going to have contested results. Yes, I'm, I'm worried about this, uh, I'll be honest. So we, what we have here right now, and, and there was just an NBC Wall Street Journal post uh, poll that was released showing that a minority of Americans, only 45% of Americans are confident in the vote count going wow, into 2020. Wow, really? Only 45%. And that's, there are big partisan differences. So um, a majority of Democrats are confident in the vote count, only 36% of Republicans are confident in the vote count, and only 23% of Republicans are confident in the mail-in vote count. And so here, here's what's this, this is raising a very serious possible problem, very foreseeable possible problem. Uh, the same polling indicates Republicans are more likely to vote in person, that Democrats are more likely to vote by mail. That's not been the pattern traditionally in the U.S. There hasn't been a really a partisan divide, but this time it looks like there might be one. And you could have a situation where more Republicans vote in person on election day, more Democrats vote by mail, v mail voting come, tends to come in a little later than in-person voting, where you could have a president in the lead after election day and that lead being whittled away and maybe even completely overcome by mail-in votes that only 23% of Republicans believe are accurately counted. Wow. And this wow. raises a specter that we could, for the first time, uh, we could have, uh, in that circumstance, our best case scenario is all of the chaos and division of the 2000 election, I think. That's that's the best case. Worst case is that you begin to have people uh, question the peaceful transfer of power itself. Right, right. And, right, and, right. I, I, and I, don't, I don't think that's too alarmist at this point to say we need to, as a nation, rally to try to ensure 
a proper vote count, that our post office is adequately resourced, that our state officials are adequately trained, and that voters are adequately educated in how to cast these mail-in ballots so that we can, at the very least, regardless of the outcome, have confidence in its integrity. Um, but right now, and the president himself is stoking um, is stoking paranoia and fear that the results won't be legitimate. Mm-hmm. And that is a dangerous position to, for him to pl- put this country in. And so then Nancy Pelosi calls the Congress back into session from their August recess. Uh, who knows about the Senate, but uh, laws are about to be passed that will ensure that there is what? Some funding or some sort of uh, some power around the post office that was not to before? Well, the, the issue with the post office, there's a lot of uh, more heat than light around the post office. Okay. Um, so the post office can handle the mail-in vote. Okay, it can. Just to put the numbers in perspective, if every single person voted by mail, that's, what, that's about 150 million pieces of mail. Um, the week of, before Christmas, the post office tends to deliver half a billion pieces. Really? Of mail. Wow. Yeah. So there, there is capacity to deal with the 150 million pieces of mail. Now, the problem is that the post office has also, as a cost-cutting member, uh, measure, introduced some um, changes that affect all mail delivery, not just ballots, okay? So there's no evidence that the post office is targeting ballots for uh, holding on to ballots. It's introduced some, some cost-cutting measures that could delay mail delivery in general. Not all mail, but uh, well, well, that would impact all mail but also impact ballots. And so uh, that is, that is a, a series of measures that are unrelated to ballots. That's an un- a series of measures unrelated to ballots, but could impact ballots. And so that's one of the reasons why funding is important so that the post office doesn't have to engage in these cost-cutting measures. Um, but look, it's not just the post office, y'all, that we need to be concerned about. If you look at mail-in balloting in New York, the New York primary, the New York state and mainly New York City officials were not prepared for it. Um, New York City officials rejected one out of five mail-in ballots. One out of five. Why? Rejected, yeah. For a variety of reasons. Now, some of them were because of reasons outside the voters' control, including a lack of a postmark. If If you turn in a ballot, I don't have a control over whether a postmark is put there. So that, that, that's a postal service issue. Um, Kentucky, the top two counties in Kentucky, the two most populous counties in Kentucky, they rejected 15,000 absentee ballots. And they ranged from reasons that were entirely due to voters to maybe a, um, an envelope being unsealed or be, you know the envelope not being properly put together. So what you have here is we have to have a unified effort, federal, state and at the local level to educate voters, resource the states to count the votes on a timely basis, and to resource the post office to remove any doubt about its capacity. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to have. That's what proper national leadership would be. Instead, the president said, and and this is a quote, he said, they need that money in order to have the post office work so it can take all these millions and millions of ballots. But if they don't get those two items, that means you can't have universal mail-in voting because they're not equipped to have it, which sounds like he was wanting to intentionally starve the post office of resources so that it can't do what it needs to do. Now, um, look, I mean, the post office can do what it needs to do. But, you know, part of the reason why you have a bully pulpit is to reassure the public, not to divide the public. 
not to stoke fear, not to stoke paranoia. And that's one of the reasons why only 36% of Republicans believe the vote will be counted accurately and only 23% that believe the mail-in count will be counted accurately. Right. Okay. So this reminds me of a conversation we had with a uh, a Pittsburgh epidemiologist on Friday show, David, where he talked about once a vaccine for COVID is here, he's yeah. concerned about how many people are actually going to take it. Yes. Right. And so how much herd, commu- herd immunity could actually be created if only 40% or 50% of the people decide they're going to take it. Okay. So it, it, so this situation we're talking about with the post office and with mail-in voting seems to be kind of similar where it's just rife for conspiracy theory, right? Oh, very much so. And so I, I just feel like, I, you know, every time I log onto a social media platform, I think, oh my gosh, I can just, in my mind, I see it magnified over the next three months. Like it, it could, it could be crazy town. Oh, we've seen some crazy town already. I mean, um, the post office routinely moves um, mailboxes, you know, those big blue public mailboxes, routinely moves them around to different places or takes them away from places where there's low mail traffic and low mail volume. And so people are now putting up pictures of the post office moving mailboxes and saying, see, look, they're they're taking the mailboxes away from the people. And there's no evidence that anything like that is happening systematically or people posting pictures of mailboxes that are routinely locked at certain times to avoid theft and saying, look, they're now locking mailboxes to prevent mail-in balloting. All of that's not correct. All of that's wrong. All of that's wrong. That's not to say that post office is in great shape. It does have money problems. Um, The Washington Post published a memorandum saying that now sometimes they're going to be leaving mail uh, on the uh, on workroom floors uh, for the next shift when they wouldn't have been doing that before, in part because of cost-cutting measures which could delay delivery. That's not, that's not conspiracy theorizing, but that's not specifically targeting mail-in ballots. So what we do have to have here and what effective leadership would be, would be for the federal government to resource what it needs to resource to grant confidence in the vote and state officials to do what they need to do to grant confidence in the vote. It's a symbiotic relationship here, federal and state. Neither party can do it all themselves. Right. Now, again, not to be an alarmist and uh, to take that, um, that deep breath before the plunge, but uh, the odds are that this is not probably going to happen the way you would hope it to happen. You know, it, we're really reaching a point where I think the result has to be decisive. In other words, one candidate or the, or the other has to win by a lot for there to be real confidence, bipartisan confidence in this outcome. And that's why my call to the Christian community is we cannot participate Mm-hmm. in the fear-mongering. We cannot be the ones leading the conspiracy Amen. theorizing. We just can't be nope. doing that. We have to be the ones who are taking a pause, taking a beat, understanding God's sovereignty, yeah. and we should be the voices of reason and hope in our community. Very yeah. nice. David yeah. French from The Dispatch. David, take a second. Talk to us about The Dispatch. It's something that Kath and I use every day. We read it, and we love it. It's very deep for both of us. Love to hear that. So we're the dispatch.com. We're a new uh, conservative media organization that is dedicated to fact based reporting and analysis. We try to take a pause on the news cycle. Uh, We do no clickbait and uh, we try to take a deeper look at what's happening in the news. Amen. And like we, like we need that. I mean, we need that. Like we need water right now. So David, (laughs) thank you for your efforts. Yes. Yes, Thanks so much. Our pleasure. David French from the dispatch. Do yourself a favor, find the dispatch, read the dispatch, take a break, come back. We've got much more ahead. Stick around. Um, We're going to talk about Pennsylvania, the state of Pennsylvania, engaging in virus tracking apps. That's next.
I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. And their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune into Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight sweepstakes brought to you in part by salem media group salem surround and this station we are of course living in uncharted territory now if you have kids who are in college or are about to be this also is a layer of uncertainty and perhaps deep disappointment we've got a child who is in a state university it looks like as though they're going to be zooming classes but Grove City College is committed to opening schools this fall and having students to come back. We're not quite sure what that looks like, but Grove City will be open for business this year. Listen, John, I can't tell you how pleased I've been with the amount of communication that we've gotten from the school, just about how they're making decisions and where they are at this time and just recognizing the, you know, the variabilities of where we are right now in America. But I think at moments like this, when there is so much uncertainty, the thing I keep falling back on is the importance of hanging with people I can trust, people who've already established their reliability before this COVID emergency, so that going forward, I can say, okay, I know these people, and I trust that they're going to make a good decision. I agree with that. So if you're looking for a school that has a strong biblical backbone with believers who are there and an excellent educational initiative, it's Grove City College. Look online at Grove City College, gcc.edu. Grove City College opens this fall. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. Tonight, patch of clouds, low 60, partly sunny tomorrow, high 81. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy, low 60. Wednesday, a shower or thunderstorm in spots in the morning. Otherwise, clouds and sunshine, high Wednesday, 80. For Thursday, clouds and sunshine, high again, around 80. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. Pennsylvania prepares to launch a virus tracing app next month. The app is designed to automatically notify people that that they might have been exposed to the coronavirus. State officials say the app does not store location information. It relies on Bluetooth, Bluetooth wireless technology to detect when someone who's downloaded the app has spent time near 
another app user who later tested positive for the virus. Mm, okay, so now wait a download minute. Download the app. Yeah. And then if you're the app holder and say you get the coronavirus, then on that app, it notifies other people that that person has been in contact with, that they too have been in contact and perhaps they to themselves have coronavirus. Okay. Are you familiar with this already, Mike? Um, I've heard of this. Uh, um, I heard of something like this. I, if you have an iPhone and you go into your settings and you click on your privacy and then you click on health, you will see uh, COVID-19 exposure logging. You can click it on or off. And what? When enabled, iPhone can exchange random IDs with other devices using Bluetooth. This enables an app to notify you if you may have been exposed to COVID-19. There you go. Exposure logging cannot access any data or add any data to the health app. So that's in that I had no idea. Of course not. That that was so apparently that was established in the uh, in the new in the new update in the new iOS update. Right, right. Which just came out like a week or two ago, right? Correct. But then, okay, so Mike, so that is something that's underlying the phone. And then on top of that, the state of Pennsylvania is doing something even more specific to residents of the state. So, I mean, nothing sacred. Everybody knows everything about you. Right. right? Okay, so is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, you can look at it well, as a good thing. You, you know I don't think it's a good thing. Well, you, people, right? <laughs> people are already inside your head. Now they're inside your body. The heck? Anyway. It's okay, so, so okay, okay, so they're trying to do contact tracing without putting all the personnel into it. I guess they're going to do it on a on a you know digital basis. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's probably how it's being sold. But the the other way, I mean, people are just in your face with information. They know you. They've got more of you than you even. Great. So, nothing. so it's not ju- so it's not just TikTok, right? No, no, it's Good not. The, golly, it's not TikTok. Not the post oh, office. It's everything. Gosh. I need a happy story. Can we have a happy story, please? To your break. Loves you. okay. Jesus That's loves a good, you. Thank you, Mike. That's an excellent story. Thank you, Mike. Informed dissent. Challenge the narrative. Leonidas Johnson is with us next. Stick around. WORD. Prayer is an intimate conversation with your Heavenly Father, and no one modeled it better than Jesus on the night before his crucifixion. On the next Focus on the Family, Elisa Morgan explains the elements of Jesus' prayer and how we can incorporate those into our own prayer life. Next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. A moo-moo here and a moo-moo there. Here a moo, there a moo, everywhere a moo-moo. Hi there, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, inviting you out to our real working dairy farm in 84, Pennsylvania. Not only will you enjoy watching the heifers in the field and the baby calves in the mini barnyard, but you should also come hungry for our fabulous farm-fresh cooking. Step inside the Springhouse for hot roast beef sandwiches, turkey and stuffing, hickory smoked ham, stuffed cabbage rolls, real mashed potatoes, and a whole lot more. A different menu each day. The locals tell their friends that our famous chocolate milk is the official drink of the Springhouse. And be sure to save room for apple pie, ho-ho cake, 
Oreo cheesecake, or lots of other from scratch goodies for dessert. Have I made you hungry yet? Let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie. Uncle Tom was amazing. Simply brilliant. Uncle Tom's the finest, most thought-provoking documentary I've ever seen. What an amazing movie. Every American needs to watch your film. It doesn't matter if you're left, right, or center. It's a great movie. It's just absolutely wonderful. An eye-opening masterpiece of the real history of America. I am blown away. Breathtaking. I sat here with tears rolling down my face through most of this movie. Thank you so very, very much for doing this. Uncle Tom is one of the most important documentaries of our time. I highly recommend everyone get it. I wish I could figure out a way to get everybody to watch it. Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. I think that you may save America with this movie. UncleTom.com. This radio station accepts political advertising. In fact, we are required to do so by federal law. We understand that not all of our listeners will agree with statements or positions taken by all of these candidates, and sometimes neither do we. This radio station is an important part of this community, and therefore the candidates want to bring their message to you via our airwaves. We do so as a public service, and we are required to do so. Regardless of your position on these issues, please make sure you register to vote so your voice is heard. Since the death of George Floyd, uh, John and I and Mike have committed to just opening up our ears and shutting up and letting people of color explain where they are with uh, issues in America, with the history of America, um, with their own personal day-to-day experience um, as being a person of color living in the same country in which we live. And so um, we've talked to a ton of people in the last, I don't know how many weeks it's been. And I feel, I don't know, John, I feel so enriched by what we've heard and what we've learned. And it's been a really good experience to not act like we're the ones who are the authority figures, but just to sit back and say, okay, what do you think? So Yeah, I, I agree. You know, yeah. um, there are many things that are going to go, do I think that way? Have I done that? Is that, is that really who I am? So, yeah, I mean, we should question, we should ask, we should uncover what, you know, we're being told, whether through news media or whatnot, what exactly this moment is all about. So that's why we're happy to welcome to the show Leonidas Johnson. Leonidas is a speech language pathologist, theater and film actor, writer, director, musician, hip hop artist, Christian father, husband, and libertarian. And uh, he joins us today to talk to us about this moment. Uh, Leonidas, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, okay. we're happy to have you. So the question that we have asked people of color as they've entered our show just over the last multiple weeks as we've talked about racial issues is this, mm-hmm. you know, what's it like for you? Um, what's your story about being a person of color in America? Okay. Yeah. I mean, my story is kind of interesting because I I grew up kind of uh, in a, in a area where there's, there weren't a whole lot of black people, probably, you know, like half a percent uh, demographic in Southern Ohio. So I was, I was kind of out on an Island. So I grew up around a lot of white people, but I didn't really experience racism hardly, hardly at all. I don't have that experience. So yeah, I've grown up without that, but even still, 
I had a, a sort of a victim mentality and feeling like a lot of the negative things that were happening in my life were, were due to my skin color. And it, it was, it's only been recently that I've outgrown that and um, really start to look at the facts and look at the, look at the research and look, to, look at the statistics and, and see that my worldview back then was not, not actually accurate and that there were some other things going on. So my experience as, as a black person in America, I don't really think is, is much different than, than yours or anybody else's. Um, just from the standpoint of, you know, what I've actually, what I've actually experienced and how my life has gone, um, outside of the mentality of having that, that race hanging on that racial victimhood hanging on you. But so that's interesting. So we've been talking, you know, people have been talking about this. We've, we've heard this phrase systematic racism, you know, which is a big part of the, uh, the American way of life. You're telling me that your story runs counter to that. It does, yeah, and um, I don't, I don't believe in the idea of systemic racism. I, I think there's incidents of racism. I think that the, you know, I mean, anybody's going to agree that there's racism. I mean, it would be foolish to say that there's not racism, but to say that it's widespread and systemic and that it's holding back black people on a large scale basis, yeah, I don't, I don't think that at all, and uh, the statistics don't, don't bear that out. Okay. So, um, so what about personally, we've talked to a lot of people on the show, especially young men um, who recounted being pulled over by cops a ton of times, you know, crazy questions, that sort of thing. Anything like that ever happened to you? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I've been pulled over, but it's been legitimate. Like, <laughs> yeah, we all, yeah, we all have my friend, believe me. Oh, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, it's only been, been recently. I've actually been watching my speed, but my wife gets on me a lot. So. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I've been pulled over, you know, for, for legitimate reasons. And, but each of those situations I've been respectful and, uh, the officer was respectful and, you know, things, things went fine. Now, you know, I hear these stories sometimes that you, people have, have bad experiences with police and, um, you know, something may go sideways, something, something may go wrong with the situation, but, you know, like, kind of like how, how common is it is, is the question And New Jersey actually did a, a study on this to see if, you know, there was actually bias and how long, uh, how often, uh, police officers were pulling over people based on race. And what they found was that uh, black people were more likely to break traffic laws than other groups. So it wasn't that like cops were targeting the specific demographic. You know, it was, it was legitimate things going on. And then, you know, sometimes people attribute that to racism or racial profiling when, when it's not really, um, so, Lena, so yeah, I mean, my experience, my experience hasn't been, it, it hasn't been that, like, I haven't, I haven't had that, that experience at all. Yeah. Well, so this is interesting to hear because, of course, you know this, Leonidas, your your conversation, your testimony here rounds counter to the narrative of Black Lives Matter, does it not? It absolutely does. It absolutely does. And I just started a podcast and I actually addressed that where I, I discuss what Black Lives Matter believes and what they, what they propagate. 
And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Black Lives Matter is not really focused on uh, police, police brutality. That's not their, that's not their only focus, even though that's what people will, you know, propagate. But uh, they also focus on, you know, LGBT issues and trans issues and um, dismantling the nuclear family and all these other things. Uh, And, you know, so people are throwing their, throwing their lot in with Black Lives Matter and not really realizing that the organization is really supporting these things. So, yeah, the, yeah, my, my, my experience, my research, like I said, the statistics, uh, which I can go through them if you guys want me to, but uh, yeah, none of it, none of it supports the narrative. It completely runs counter. So like we're dealing with uh, anecdotal evidence, people saying that it exists and we're supposed to believe them because they say that this is true versus, you know, actual uh, research and actual statistics. So we're speaking to Leonidas Johnson, speech language pathologist, theater, film actor, writer, director, you name it. Um, Leonidas, unfortunately, we all watched um, the death of George Floyd. And so we, mm-hmm. we know that there are instances like that that do happen, um, that have happened. Um, and yes. we have in a lot of ways, just historically speaking, I'm not talking about stats of today. I'm saying we have historically have a, a wretched relationship um, between white and black in the United States. So from where you sit, um, what do you think is the best, healthiest, most productive way forward? My one of my main missions is just to get people away from race as a you know as the primary aspect of their identity. Okay. And one of the things that I push is that you know like we should really start teaching our kids that skin color is no more impactful to who you are as a person than your hair color or eye color. You know, it's part of who you are. Yeah, it helps make up who you are, but it doesn't define you. And I think way too many people are defining themselves by their skin color or, you know, defining others by their skin color. And, you know, that can drive nothing but enmity. That only drives enmity. In the end, it only drives enmity, especially when you're basing this in a, a, a sort of grievance foundation. When your entire identity is based in grievance, then you're going to you know, have hostility towards anybody that's not in your in-group. And that's a problem because, you know, they, everything that happens, you're going to view through that lens. And then, like I said, you're going to have hostility toward others and who may not have done anything to you, but just because they have the wrong skin color. So right. it's fighting racism with racism, and that's not going to help us at all. Fantastic. I mean, Leonidas, this really runs counter to the conversation that's happening uh, nationally. Of course, uh, the riots in Portland and Seattle and Chicago and whatnot. Unfortunately, our time is up, but um, we'd love to go into this a little deeper with you because the the conversation, the color, the tone of it uh, is unique to what uh, we've experienced here uh, with the the guests we've invited with us. So we thank you for that. And I'm sure it's not an an easy thing for you to do this because I would imagine, you know, within the community of, um, of other people of color, you're getting a lot of pushback. I get quite a bit of pushback. Yeah. Because, you know, people, people feel like, uh, you know, you're, 
you're kind of denigrating their identity because again when you when you place your identity in your skin color then anything that comes against that your people you're gonna feel like people are coming after your identity and exactly. it's, it's not hey, that nice. at all before you leave us let people know about your podcast yes my podcast is called informed dissent with leonidas informed dissent and it's basically a podcast that covers a wide range of hot button cultural political issues and the whole idea is just to push back against the accepted narrative. And um, it's available on all major podcast platforms. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Great. Our pleasure. Right. Informed Descent, the podcast, Leonidas Johnson. You can find that, as he said, on the web, Informed Descent. Take a break. Come back. Uh, we've got just a little smidge more. So stick around for that. It's the Ride Home with Johnny Kathy here on Word FM. <laughs> It's an unwritten rule of motherhood to put family before yourself. While very noble, it can also be counterproductive. This is Dr. Corin Garchak, the female half of the husband and wife team at Tranquility Specific Chiropractic. As a mother of two, let me encourage you, mom, not to ignore those aches and pains you've been feeling. Your family needs you at your best. We're here to help you meet the challenge. Tranquility Specific Chiropractic, 412-833-1314. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsoruspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. For more than 20 years, investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney has traveled the globe for evidence of some of the Old Testament's most miraculous events. Now with the Red Sea Miracle Part 2, Journey to Egypt and Beyond, as Tim interviews the world's foremost experts to discover the truth. The results are faith-affirming and fascinating. You must see Patterns of Evidence, the Red Sea Miracle Part 2. To see this powerful documentary and others in the series, go to SalemNow.com and use the promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. Today's forecast calls for clear skies, slight winds coming out of the Northeast, and customized car insurance from Liberty Mutual, so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office, and their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. At StockFamilyDentistry.com, WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at WordFM.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. 
this weekend, John, I got to hang out at uh, two weddings. It was super fun. Two weddings. Yeah, two weddings. People who are getting married, they're like, you know, the heck with the, you know, sadness of COVID. We're going to go ahead with life. How'd that work and, out? Uh, COVID weddings. Yeah, so, yeah, so Matt and Roseanne got married uh, down at uh, Rehoboth Beach. And they just had their uh, close family there, like maybe five people. Mm-hmm. And uh, they walked out onto the beach in their finery. And people just totally like moved to the side and opened up a space for them to get married. And they nice. had tons of people who went to take pictures with them and everything was wonderful. And then Josh and Emma got married on Saturday in Wilkinsburg. And we all went out to uh, Turner's Farm in Slickville out in Salzburg and had a terrific outdoor party. So congratulations nice. to all of them. It was a super fun day on Saturday. Sounds like a good time. All right. Well, so weddings go on. Life goes on, even in these weird times. Hey, one thing that's not going on is our podcast. If you're looking for our podcast, we're having some technical difficulties. Mike has not been able to post for a week. So as soon as we get that back up and running, we'll let you know. All right. So find us here now.